Today's podcast is brought to you today by The Kick Company. The Kick Company develop active ball skills and training products. Sidekick Rebounder by The Kick Company is on the market now in homes all over Ireland and abroad. It is designed for individuals at homes, schools and clubs. For more information, visit them on thekickcompany.com. Hello and you're welcome to this week's Backdoor Hurling Show. Delighted to be joined by former Kilkenny earlier Kieran Joyce and former Dublin Under-21 Hurling Manager and Ballyboden St. Genda Senior Hurling Manager Joe Fortune. Firstly lads, um, the coronavirus has obviously caused issues for our games uh, since you're both involved in the club. Um, we'll have to have a talk about it for a few minutes. Uh, firstly Kieran, how are you managing as a club hurling player? Well, I suppose at the moment, um, I suppose we're kind of walking, uh, talking through the WhatsApp group. Um, I suppose we've all got, as we, as we talked about earlier, we all got kind of, I suppose, programs we were given at the start, uh, I suppose, to um, keep tipping away ourselves. Um, that was on, 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 on the, the thought that you'd be opening and maybe going back playing in two or three months' time. I suppose the way things have escalated now, it's, it's a little bit further. We've no no clear line of sight, but look, we're still communicating each week. Um, I suppose just just talks of, and you know, hear rumours around. We're talking to your friends that we could be going back maybe September, October. So um, those guys, guys, just trying to gear themselves up, keep themselves tipping over until then. Um, you know, I suppose we can't go near pitches really officially for another while. So when that probably lifts, you know, we might get down and start fucking around with a couple of friends and that kind of stuff, uh, and getting the touch back in, which is essential in the hurling side, but. Um, at the moment, I suppose you're you're just you're just staying at home. You're trying to keep yourself tipping over and uh, hope that the lockdown is working and we will get through the phases and, and hopefully get to where we want to go. Joe, um, you're obviously involved with Ballyboden. Have you left uh, them alone to do their own thing now, or how are you managing as a management team? I say to be to be delighted if I left them alone for a while. I would say to be happy enough. But uh, I know, look, like we've we've left them alone in in some capacity, I suppose. You know, like look, I'm lucky in so many. I'm involved with a good group of players, um, a very self motivated group. Um, I suppose, like Karen said, initially when all this happened, we hadn't got a kind of a, a line of where we were going to, you know, going to get to. Um, and now that we're kind of pushed back to the point of July, you know, it, it probably kind of puts a small bit of a dampener in some way. Um, on, progress and stuff but yeah look we, we from a manager's perspective like look you miss it Paul you miss it a lot and you miss the camaraderie that's there with the with the lads um but from a I suppose from a training point of view there's a little thing that you can do collectively but like I said the group that we motivated and um, you know the WhatsApp groups and the kind of the strength and conditioning groups that are there and um, the type of type of player that Ready. If we have a line of sight of, of when we can get back on again, yeah. Look, I think from a manager's point of view, like you know, you want to make sure that they're doing something. But I think at the same time, was my big thing with it is that the safety of the players has to be paramount. You know, and I think we only go back. I, I'd hate to see the club players as well being thrown in. Um, if you know, before anything, um, unless there's a clear line of sight of what's there from a safety point of view. You know, the county thing, will it happen? Probably, they're saying maybe October. They're talking about maybe club hurling going back August, September. But I just, you know, you'd have too much time for players and too much consideration for families and stuff to, to go back at it unless everything's right and we're ready to go properly. That's it, really. And 
Uh, just briefly, we'll touch on it. The pitches are obviously an issue, especially in rural areas. Um, people are saying they should be open because they even help the elderly. You've seen the walkways and GA clubs. Uh, Kieran, do you think there is uh, a notion to open the pitches earlier than uh, July? Uh, I do, yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, look, as, as long as it's respected, um, in, in a sense that... Um, you know, you abide by it, you know, you meet, let's say, groups of three or four, as I've outlined, and if you want to have a puck around and maybe do a bit bit of training, you know, you can. Um, we, we in the Roar, we have a walkway there um, around the pitch, um, in a steeg similar enough, it's down near the river, so we're lucky we have two pitches in our club, which is two technical kind of pitches and two kind of club areas, but um, that's, a, that's a lit up walkway, so thankfully it's long evenings now, it's not too bad, but if it's winter time, an awful lot of people exercise on that walkway um, throughout the winter. Um, so we're lucky enough, we have nice weather here at the moment and people can go out and walk around their own local area, but it is a big amenity, you know. Um, I suppose it's, it's the longest time I've been away from a GA pitch in a long, long time, um, you know, and you would miss it. You'd, you'd miss going out for a run and that kind of stuff. You can only run on the roads and, and up, up the back of the woods where I live, only so much, the, knee, the knees won't take it much more. So um, you'd be hoping to get back onto the pitches soon enough. So yeah, look, you'd hope some common sense will come and play, but obviously that'll be on the public and obviously the clubs and that by respecting the rules that they'll set out. Well, after, like, uh, you know, I think anybody even who wasn't a soccer player was, was delighted to see the, the Bundesliga back at the weekend. and. And then you look at the amount of, I think there was maybe five games or whatever at the weekend, and there was, I think, maybe eight or nine, I think eight or nine muscle injuries for players over the weekend. So, like, there's a big difference, like Kieran said, from, you know, going to run down the road or, you know, going to run mountains or whatever. It, no matter what kind of group, like, you know, these Zoom calls and fitness classes, like, it's all great, but it's just a correlate at all, really, with what we do, like, when we go to play Hurland, you know. So you'd want to have the adequate time as well to get the team ready there as much we're dying for games. You know, fellas like Joyce are getting old as well, so they'd probably need to know a bit of extra time. <laughs> I just, I'd be kind of the players. Not like, I, I, I think that, and it's something I've spoken to them about. There's not like, if we're to do this right, we need to make sure that we have the proper time as well to, to get the lads ready. Um, both yeah. from a hurling perspective and from a mental perspective as well, because I think this will all touch on them in some capacity from home or, or family-wise as well. So I just think it's something that they need to consider that, that you know, they put the club players back when, when the time is right and not before then. Yeah, and just touching on that, lads, again, just for the two of you, um, we'll go back to you, Kieran, first, and you can come in then, Joe. How long do you think the club players are going to need uh, before they play competitive uh, championship games? Oh, look, um, I suppose a minimum month, anyway, I, I think. Um, probably four weeks. Um, you know, by the time you... Look, you can do only so much training yourself. Um, you need that competitive edge. You need to be running against somebody. You need to be training with somebody to get the extra 10%, 15% lads have. But um, yeah, I, I think a minimum four weeks, um, you know, um, for lads just to gear themselves up, get collected, get back playing again, get sharp. And as, as, as Joe had alluded to, certain muscles haven't been activated in, in, in a while. You know, they, they'll need to be done. They'll need to be ironed out. It takes about two or three weeks for that to happen. So yeah, look, a minimum month, people probably want to, get their head around and get back into it to really have a proper run at it again, yeah. That's it. And would you be along the similar lines, Joe, that uh, you're a manager yourself uh, in charge of Valley Bowden, that you'd need a month before you to play competitive action? Oh, yeah, I think it's hard to put a, like a time on it. I, I just, I'd be just conscious of the fact that the time there at the for club players is supposedly you know, we're looking at the possibility of August, September. Now, if you take in Dublin, uh, the dual county, whatever, like to run a 
look at Mucaf in September will be, you know, will be quite tough if we're back on the 20th of July in, in, in a small group or in small groups. Do you know, when do you kind of envisage that that championship starts if the Intercounty is going back in October, if it is happening? So I think that's just something to be aware of that I think you, you definitely need that kind of three or four weeks. But do not look, look the other side of the coin is Jesus. It was a game with the back garden this evening. I'd, I'd nearly risk left. <laughs> In some ways, to be kind of going at it too, like because you do miss it. But yeah, I think just in fairness for the players, and I think, like I said, that I suppose the, the mental as well as the physical point of view, the lads need time to be back together. Um, that trust element of everything being all right within the group as well. It's going to take time for that to, to kind of bed in properly, you know. And obviously, with no games on um, now, we're going to take a look back at two classics. And the first game we're going to take a look back at is the 2009 uh, All-Ireland Final between Kilkenny and Tipperary. Uh, we'll come to the Kilkenny man first. Uh, what a game that was. Um, it just goes back to, you'd nearly remember, just the lads playing hurling with no hamlets, bursting out of tackles. Um, what a game that was, Kieran. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, some game, um, I suppose, it, 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 the way hurling has gone now, if you watch that game now and you were taking stats, um, the stats man wouldn't be happy or the manager wouldn't be happy, I suppose. There was so much loose ball struck, so much miss hits, so many wides. But it was typical Kenny, Kenny Tipperary hurling. It's 15 on 15. You know, you lump the ball in on top of each other, you fight for it, you get the breaks. Um, and, and that's the way it was played. There was a couple of key moments in, in any of that game, you know, that thankfully fell on Kenny's side. You know, there was there was a slip. I think it was Paddy Mar slipped on 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 Gerta. Gerta got in. They won a penalty. Henry buried it. Gerta got another goal then, um, and that was two goal turnaround. Ten minutes to go, and that was that was it then. Home and hose. Before that, Tip had so many chances. You know, to PJ Ryan made a save. You know, a fantastic save. Uh, Owen Kelly miss hit a slip. You know, all these sort of little things that happens in all Ireland finals. It happened for Kenny. You know. Um, and they were, they were lucky, I suppose, in, in that sense that, that they got the rubber degree in at certain stages. And then Kilkenny being Kilkenny, then they take their chances. So, you know, it was it was a fantastic game in Troll. And, you know, from, from a fan's point of view, it was, it, was, it was epic. You know, if you went out to play that kind of sort of game now, <laughs> you'd probably get home and hose by about 20 points, you know. But that's just the way the game has gone, you know. So uh, it's great to look back on them and obviously and, and see how the, how, how the players were back then. A key factor among... All Kilkenny teams, Joe, was uh, when it was coming to the end. Kilkenny's work rate in the forward line. I remember at one stage, Eddie Brennan turning over John O'Brien when he had the ball. And that was really what got Kilkenny over the line, the work rate of the forwards um, that day. Yeah, look, I think uh, as, a, as a Wexford man as well, that's been involved with Dublin. Like, you know, we've spent many years kind of with the heartbreak. Never, you know, they're they're never done until they're done, really. Um, but yeah, the work rate in particular of the of the forward line, and look what he had to bring on as well. Like, you know, look at the subs that, that came on that day. Like, like you're bringing TJ uh, Fenley on that day. Gerti came on, made a huge difference. And like Kieran said, like Tip had Tip had chances with about twelve or fifteen minutes to go. Um, but I just think that look at the players that were on show. Like, you know, like think of the you know, the Richie Powers, Eddie Brennan's, you know, Henry obviously as well, and then you know Tommy Welsh. Like the, the players, it's the standard of player that was there. Like there was there was no easy quarter. Like you know, and Jiz was great to watch. You know, I, I don't know even if I wasn't going to do this, would I have sat down and actually spent the time looking at it? But you'd miss that kind of game in ways as well. That you know, the, the real manly kind of stuff and. And like I said, just the emergence of maybe the talent that Tip brought forward. Like I actually, I watched Gigi's body language when when Benny Don had been sent off, and um, 
some people would have said that a massive part of the game, but like some managers have turned their back, you know. Um, and Sheedy was the first to kind of greet him coming off the field. Now, God knows what he said to him afterwards, but at the same time, he just, I think he was building something there. Brian already probably had it. Um, and just, I suppose, the definite. The definite type of, of camaraderie that was among that Kilkenny group, you know, they were just, they were so up for it. Um, and, um, and just on the day, they knew how to win. Um, but look, it wasn't long, I suppose, that Judy had some of those younger guys, you know, the likes of Noel and that who were on the day were young players and, you know, they were kind of coming of, gold, coming of old. And I think as well that, that when you think of Kilkenny, I remember back to, I think it was like the 21s in... In 15, and you know, we'd I think we were six or seven points up, and I think in Mansfield, the last last puck of the game, dropped the ball into the back of the net. You know, maybe the third minute of injury time, the first time they did late for the whole game. So, look, that could be money. Going back a long, long time, it doesn't change. Um, and I think you know, when you look at the game on, on Sunday on television, you know, you can't but admire the type of player that was there as well that Brian had and that Liam had as well. Um, Kieran, you're obviously involved with Kilkenny and involved under Brian Cody. Um, the A versus B games leading up to a final, were they very hectic and was it just lads going hell for leather because the squad you have within Kilkenny, was the huge emphasis placed on those games? Uh, it was, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I suppose before we actually went closed doors, we used to have right great crowds in at them as well, but obviously with tactics and all that kind of thing, then when the closed doors happened, then um, it was ramped up a level. But yeah, it was, look, I suppose... Um, I suppose the week leading up to a match, you wouldn't do much. The, 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 the two weeks, I suppose, the second week before you lead up to the match was you probably have three heavy A versus B matches, you know, uh, spaced out. That'd be your last chance to maybe put your name on the team. Um, Cody might, you know, he might swap certain players between A and B at certain stages, but um, the B team kind of knew, yeah, look, that's the starting team. If you want to get in there, you got to nail a spot or nail a man that's in your spot. So, you know, that's... That left it open to certain interpretation, and then obviously Cody didn't blow the whistle too often either. But, um, but yeah, no, look, I suppose it was nothing silly, you know. Um, it was it was really just going hell for leather. If 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 there was certain tactics or not tactics, I suppose let's say if certain teams were lining up other ways, maybe the way Tip for a couple of years rotated or forwards, um, you know, we would have to mimic that as well to a certain extent for for the A team to to kind of get used to certain um, certain tactics that other teams are using. So, um, but by all means, you know, I suppose at certain stages you knew coming off a pitch after an A versus B match that there were certain days there I knew walking off the pitch you'd be gassed after playing even 40 minutes of A versus B, but you knew whatever tip or goal or whoever you're playing the final were going to bring, you, you, you were able to match it. You were walking off that pitch knowing that you can match whatever anyone brings, you know, that gives a certain level of confidence to you, you know, and that, that's, I suppose, was, was a key factor for, for Brian for a number of years. And moving to you again, Joe, um, Tip went ahead 20 points to 17 in 58 minutes. Um, but noticing one thing during that game is they did lack that bit of composure when they're in the lead. They hit a few wild shots, um, missed three clear-cut goal chances. PJ Ryan uh, made some great saves, but they did really lack a bit of composure in that final quarter. Yeah, to a point, but I, I think Kieran made a great point a few minutes ago. I think like you're in that the, the high battle, you know. Final. I'm not really sure sometimes whether it's a composure thing. Like there's, there's a little bit of luck. Like Kelly slipped at one stage. You know, I don't think there was a, a better forward than like himself and Lara. Like we're 
you know, at the time were just incredible, you know. And I and I think when it comes to that small little that small little inch that, that you don't get over sometimes where there's a slip or, or a mistake, um, I know for the goal as well, you know, those things can happen. Like you look at the, the score that Lara got at one stage out in the wing, like he, the, the man didn't even look like he was, you know, he was even motoring and all, you know, he's 60 yards off on the right hand side. Um, anybody who's looking at strength and conditioning at the minute and thinking that you have to be in and out of the gym and looking great in super dry t-shirts or whatever else it might be, you know, like you look at Lara that day, you know, it wasn't a pick on him and his wrists and, you know, Kelly again. I, I just, I, I'm not really sure, Paul, if it's a composure thing at times. I just think there's small, little, small inches in games like that that, that, can, that can just go against you, you know, and we'll go on to the Dublin Leash game in a few minutes and, you know, every shot that night that Leash took nearly went over the bar and, and you get games like that too and, you know, you're a great man on the, on the sideline for 40 yards when you put the ball over the bar and, and Joyce getting a tap on the back on the way out the field. You're a great lad. And then, you know, the following evening, he tries to do it and it just doesn't work out. And, and I don't know if that's composure or sometimes that small lyncher, that small bit of luck that, that you might need when it comes to winning that game. Exactly. That's a great point. And, again, the Benny Dunn sending off was a huge turning point in that game. And then Kilkenny's strength and depth really showed like TJ Reid, probably one of the best hurlers, not even stating. Michael Finley, another amazing hurler, not even stating. Comerford coming on, getting the goal. Shefflin getting the penalty. Um, and Tipperary would probably feel disappointed that they gave away that penalty because it was kind of a soft penalty to give away as well. It was, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> when Richie Power gets the ball in his hand, he just has one mind. You either go through it or score. So... He um yeah he he took he took a, he took a few steps I suppose and even where the foul I suppose was committed he could have been looking at twenty one more than a penalty um but I suppose he fouled he kept running in and then I suppose wherever the ref kind of pulled it up in the box so he he said a penalty but yeah look there's a couple of key moments there um obviously look and I know Brian for numerous years and we spoke about you know let's say gene up for matches and that that you know he he always said that day that. Uh, Martin Comfort said to Cody, you know, and he said to the team, you know, when I'm in there, just put the ball in. I don't care what way it comes in, high, low, whatever way it comes, just get it into me, he says. You know, and for Cody, he always kind of referenced back to that for numerous years previous that, you know, certain players, you know, show certain leadership, you know, and Goethe that day, you know, he knew he had to come on, he'd done a job, and he did, you know, he, he made a goal and, and scored a goal, you know, but his attitude was... I don't care, lads, just get the ball into me, just get it up to me, whatever way you want, and I'll make sure I'll do something with it, you know, and, and proof is in the pudding, you know, he did do it on that day, and, and that way, um, had great experience, you know, absolutely, and then, obviously, when you see the, all the hurlers of the years coming on then afterwards, you know, in, 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 in the years to come, you know, that goes to show you the strength and depth, you know, and even looking at that team, and even looking at some players, like the John Tennyson, you know, players like that, that probably didn't have the career he everyone thought he would, you know, Richie Power didn't probably have the career, you know, he probably deserved for the hurler he is, you know, so that goes to show you the beauty of sport, Henry obviously did, you know, he he, he, he had the career, but like, Cody had a, an unbelievable team there, an unbelievable squad, an unbelievable panel, um, you know, so Tip were building a panel, you know, absolutely it's building a panel, um, so, you know, it, it, was, it was, it's great to see those days, great to see how things worked out, and and as Joe referenced, you know, it's the small things in, in finals winner for you. And I know it well in, you know, in 2016, <laughs> it's base of an inch on, on Bubbles and Hawkeye. You know, it could have been a completely different year for us as well, you know. Um, so, you know, all these sort of things play into, play into, play into big games. And, um, you know, it was great to look back and see it and, uh, and you know, see, see the sort of level and the effort and, and you know, what Kenny, I suppose, done on the day. 
and, and probably what Tip didn't do on the day. Exactly, and that's it. And uh, just finishing now on uh, this match, four in a row, very special achievement, um, Joe, for Eckley Kenny, but they'll probably feel disappointed that they didn't even get the five in a row the year after. I think, look, I think any any match that Kenny lose, whether it's, you know, if it's Welsh Cup or whatever it might be, I think they're, they're disappointed. But look, I, I, I'd agree 100% with what Kieran said, that that, that team was you know, it was a special, special team, and I suppose to go down in history, probably maybe like the double state with the football, um, and to kind of be in that regard, you know, I suppose for people to see how history making it is. But I, I don't know. I think if you ask any of the lads who won their their four four All Irelands, I think you know, there's there's many lads in Dublin would love to have one. Never mind four. So I wouldn't have too much pity for them to be honest. <laughs> That's it. And uh, Joe, we'll come back to you again, obviously, since you're involved with Ballyboden. Um, touching on the Dublin Leash game from last year. Um, it's talked about that this Dublin team can play as well outside as Pernell Park and from two to seven they're as good in the country but they do lack a, a real kind of ball winning forward. Um, from what you've seen um, in Dublin Hurling and being involved, do you think that statement is true? Uh, no, I don't. Um, I think, look, I think if you look at the, the type of player that Dublin have, um, and you go back to that leash game, like, look, was it a disappointing day for Dublin Hurling? Of course it was. And 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 nobody knows that more than the players, but I suppose I'd be conscious of, of, of thinking that the type of player that Dublin have, like, you know, the Connell Keenies and Danny Sutcliffe's and Eamon Dillons and stuff, in my opinion, are as good as, as what players are in, in other parts of the country. I don't think it's a ball-winning problem. Um, I think at times, you know, you celebrate those great days like Dublin had um, against Galway probably two or three weeks previous to the leash game. Um, and I'd be conscious also of making sure, Paul, as well, that like, like going up along, like in 14, like the 21s, we beat Leash. There was Dalo had the, the seniors at the time. We beat Leash in the 21s in Parnell Park by four or five points. And the first two lads that jumped the fence to get in onto the pitch, um, I don't know if I'll give you a little that now, but the first two lads to jump in were Dalo and, and Hedger that were over the seniors because they knew maybe the two weeks previous or two years previous to that, the ones had you know had fallen at, at, at poor performances levels you know and I think the leash I think going to the going to the leash idea of like you know I would take nothing away on the day from what leash did um I think the performance levels that they got on the day you know the key the key men that played well you know the stuff that they did on the day with Roland and you know just young young Dunphy young Kavner Ross King those kind of guys that are that are around a long time that would have been the backbone of that 21s team we only beat them by three or four points Dublin played, you have to remember, Dublin played Leash last year as well, I think maybe three times. One by a point, I think, in the in the Walsh Cup, maybe two points in the league. So it wasn't like, I suppose, the, the thing afterwards that came out, Paul, was that people were saying, you know, what a shock. And, and, and look, it probably was in, for maybe a lot of reasons, but I'd be conscious also of, of, of giving Leash the credit for what they deserve on the day. Those Dublin players would be hurt, and I'm sure Matty and the, and the backroom team, you know, were, were looking at this year as being a year where they were going to wrong, but... I'd be conscious also of giving Leash, you know, the deserved kind of tap on the back that they, you know, that they did that day because their performance levels were so high, um, and unfortunately on the day Dublin's weren't. Yeah, and that's it really. Um, Kieran, uh, Dublin were obviously found it maybe a bit hard uh, to come back down from beating Galway, and they're on such a high, and to come back out then maybe they just underestimated Leash. Did you ever find when you were playing after winning? A, a massive top game like that to come back down to earth and play again uh, in a few weeks time yeah absolutely I suppose look um, 
adrenaline is a big thing. Um, you know, for the, I suppose the hype and the aura of winning a, such a big game like that, um, and the way they won it. Um, for an, for an awful lot of people, you take an awful lot of confidence from. Now, did they take uh, leash for granted, maybe, or maybe think, look, we've beaten Galway here. You know, the mentality here is, look, leash, we should be well able for leash here. Look, that can play into it. Um, I've always said, you know, sometimes, and when I'm on a team, and I think, look, we obviously are 15 on 15, we're a better team than that other team. But when you play certain teams and the way games go, teams can teams can make you uh, change into into I suppose they bring it into a dogfight. You know, I, I've always said um, certain teams that when you play, you know, even let's say for us down to the years, playing the likes of Offaly, right? Playing Offaly, Harlan, um, Offaly are so physical. You know, I used to always know after playing Offaly in any sort of match, I would be sore the Monday morning waking up. It's like being in a bloody car accident. You know, you're getting shoulders, you're getting digs, and that kind of stuff. It's a physical game, and you know the way games can go. You know, you can get caught in in a game system. You can get caught in 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 a, in a point for point game, um, and that can happen at times. You know, the, the true natural hurler might come and play on the day. You know, the way he he might do in other days. You know. It's you know you mightn't get that, that that extra couple of seconds of space because you're playing in a in a, in a smaller pitch a tighter pitch you're not playing in Crow Park where you have the extra few few seconds you can spray around the ball the way you want sometimes that kind of stuff so all those factors play into it um, and absolutely mentality does play into it as well you know and I I do think whatever happens there that day obviously everything went right for Leash and you have a day where no matter what you do you. As, as Joe said, you could hit, hit a ball on, on the 14-yard line in the corner and go over the bar, and you just know that's your day, you know. And on, down on the far end, a lad could hit the crossbar three times and it might go in. And, you, you know, <laughs> you know it, it's funny the way sport is, and, and maybe it's the mentality that feeds through the team, but, you know, on that day, everything went over for them. You know, goalkeeper, Everton scoring. You know, for Dublin, did you know, it, 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 didn't, it didn't go the way they planned. It, it, their, their main players didn't probably play the way that they wanted to play. And you know, and, and, and all credit due to Leash they had their homework done and, and that's how it worked out and their game plan worked. But you know, on any on any given day, you know, that's the beauty of GA and especially Hurland, you know, a six point lead can be turned around within two or three minutes. You know, if you don't show up, you, you will be caught out, you know, and um, and certain teams will ha- will have their will have their will have their run. And Leash obviously targeted a good start show as well, but Owen O'Donnell is obviously a huge loss at fullback. He's really been excelling there for Dublin in the past few years. But I think Dublin would be very disappointed with the defending for the leash goal, um, cutting in through the corner, Sean Moore, and just getting caught on the wrong side. But they obviously targeted a good start. And as we've been saying, it was a day really where everything just went over for them. Yeah, I think, look, if you get that bit of oxygen at the start, you know, they did come off the back of, of winning the Joe McDonough <clears throat> week beforehand. Um, no probably a couple of days as well to enjoy themselves which do you know I probably learned as a manager as well Paul over the years as well that it's, it's a massive part of it that both the winning games and, and the kind of camaraderie that can be built off the field as well do you know that trust element that can be built off the field it's it's huge like um, look when they were going to get oxygen at the start that goal going in you see the fist pumps you know the famous the famous kind of John Milan kind of up to the crowd kind of stuff you know and it started and you know, it started to give the crowd oxygen. Um, yeah, there was a couple of mistakes probably by, by Dublin defenders that, that mightn't happen on, on other days. But once they got that sense of oxygen at all, 
you know, they really started to push on and, and you know, there were some great scores. You know, Dunphy in the middle of the field and in the corner as well got some great scores. You know, Mark Havner, you know, Ross King got some lovely scores as well. But I, I think going back to, the, to, to what Kieran said as well, like you get games like that. I can remember we played Westmead up in a in a Leinster semi-final. We played Offaly in a final as well, uh, under 21, beat Offaly in a, in a 21s final. But, you know, at halftime we were four points down and the Offaly crowd were baying for blood. I remember going in under the under the stand, like, and, and thinking to myself, you know, how are we going to turn this around? And I think what Kieran said is massively important. I don't think the manager, I don't think whether you've Cody or Sheedy or anybody else, you know, it doesn't matter. I think if you've Mourinho over you, it's not going to matter. I think what comes down to it is the players that that inside players. I think what Kieran has been involved in with such a, a setup in Kilkenny, you're going to have, have that mentality, that strength as a player, and just on the day. As soon as Leash got that bit of oxygen at all, they kept driving on, and and like you look at Ronan Hayes. He won some great ball out in the forty. Um, he was at, he was on the sweeper for a while, um, then he was probably moved off the sweeper. Do you know there were level 10, 15 minutes to go. Probably a chance to kick on again, and Leash just got that extra bit more. You know, and I I I'd say like you know listening to the crowd even on the Sunday game. You know that that Leash score. You know they were off the back of the week before, and you know the, like I said a couple of points whatever with, with as a group and as a as a locality, and I'd say they just couldn't believe where they were. You know ten minutes to go and they were driving on again, and the real leaders stood up for them. Um, and yeah, look like I said, just a disappointing day for for, for Dublin, but um, one that I, I, I look I I'd have an awful lot of interaction with with those players over the years. You know they they grew up probably beating all the teams in in, in Leinster, um, and that will hurt them. Um, and I think that the main leaders in that on that team would have would have really targeted this year to go back and, and, and put that pride back into it again. And Leach really came good and Ender Rowland, probably one of the top keepers in the game at the moment. It's some great long range frees. And then as well, Eddie Brennan obviously at the helm at Leach. Uh, um Kieran, you've obviously came up against him, played maybe with him for a year, I think it was. Um yeah. did you always know he was Going to be that kind of leader going into management uh, when you're playing with him? Ah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I suppose one of my first times, I suppose, when I um, look for a couple of years before I actually made the panel, I was making up numbers in terms of for the summer uh, for the A versus B matches there for a couple of years. I used to go in um, when I was involved in 21s. If lads are injured, if, if a couple of players have been arrested or carrying niggles, it's a couple of 21s that go in and they make up numbers and that so you get a feel for it you get a feel for the experience you know I'm obviously up in the stands watching you know Eddie and all them playing as well um, and you know the leadership Eddie brings I suppose was was always paramount I suppose when I first went in and I first officially was on the panel Eddie actually came over to me you know he's one of the first main senior lads to come over to me um, I think on my second night train he just says look Cody knows you're in here for a reason um, you know just play your own game keep your head down and work hard, you know, and he just said a couple of words like that, and, you know, it's amazing, those few words at that stage, when I went in there, at that stage, you know, really kind of settled you in, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> one of the worst things going into the Kenny team at that stage was where to sit down in the dressing room, everyone had their own set places, so my first training session I went in, I went into the old stand in Nolan Park, and I sat in the corner, and the lads go, geez, don't sit there, that's Henry's spot. And I was like, oh, shit, right. I stood up then. They were, they were, they were taking the piss, like, but, uh, and I was like, where can I sit then? They're like, oh, sit over there. I'm like, no, 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 you can't sit there. No, that's, that's, uh, that's Lark's spot. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. I went into the other dressing room then, I suppose. I was, I was so fucking nervous, you know, but there's all that. But, you know, look, it, it's, it, as, as, as Joe said, look, 
Kilkenny is a well-oiled machine, you know, the county board, people are behind it there, you know, we're players, we have a certain number of years in there, you make you make an impact as much as you can, um, and as I said, look, I've moved on, there's other players coming in there now trying to make an impact, you know, so, you know, plenty of experience there, but, you know, Eddie was, Eddie was a phenomenal leader, and you can see why, you know, there's so many of the lads are going to be great leaders, you know, Michael Fenley's gone with Hoffley, you know, you have Henry there as well, if he's done at Ballyhill, you know, all these guys, and I suppose they're going to model a certain bit off Cody. They're going to have their own leadership qualities as well. Um, but look, there's plenty of managers going to be coming out of Kenny, I'd say, in the next couple of years. So, um, as we were saying, you've been involved in Dublin Hurling for quite a while. Is football a huge obstacle um, for Hurling in the county? Um, I don't think it's an obstacle. I think I, I think I got the 21s, I think, in 14. And I think at that, at that stage, the likes of... Young Costello and, and Kilkenny would have been eligible, um, would have played the year previous when they were beaten um, against Carlo. And the first year I got them, and I would have contacted the lads and I would have spoken to Jim a bit as well. And and in fairness to Jim, Jim was quite good in, in regards to, to the door open for the lads to play. But I think, Paul, you have to remember that if you're in that Dublin panel, you know, you want your spot. And I remember speaking to Kieran and speaking to, to Young Costello at the time as well and, and, and Young Lowndes and stuff. And look, they would have loved to play hurling for Dublin. But I suppose they did a did a massive draw as well about about trying to represent Dublin for the football. So I, I don't think I think we they lose players. I think that that I suppose you have to win something significant. Um, I think when Dalo was there and they won a Leinster final, won a national league, the, the clock was starting to turn a small bit, and you could kind of see fellas Connell Keeney came over from the football, and you know there was a couple maybe encouraged Dotsy as well came over from the football. So there was a few lads that that, that kind of fell in with the hurling then on the basis that they were going to be successful, and I think. In order for that to happen, and in order for us to get the kind of the better younger players, there has to be an element of success there as well. Because if you're going out and you know the five all earns one in a row, and 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 you know there, there hasn't been something significant won from a hurling perspective in a few years, I think that's what's going to be needed in order to to, to get the tide to turn. You know, but I, I think look, I think that's there in them. I think the group of players that are there, I think they're capable. And um, I just think making sure that they have the I suppose that right leadership and, and the right group of that mentality there as well is, is massively important. But I think going forward, um, I think they can once they show that there's a significant chance of winning something. Absolutely. And we're just going to move on now to the tactic of the week briefly. Um, so we'll start with you again, Kieran. Um, short passing is obviously a thing that's come into the game, especially from puckouts. Teams going short trying to build. Kind of makes sense when you have a big tower and physical half back line to try and keep that ball away from them. Um, what have you made of the short passing game now since you've been club hurling and since hurling has obviously evolved uh, in the last couple of years? Yeah, I suppose short passing kind of came in uh, to Kilkenny a bit later than we probably probably envisaged. Um, I suppose Clare, I think, um, really probably brought it to the fore when they won the All-Ireland um, themselves in Cork, I suppose, a couple of years ago. They probably changed the game, but then I suppose two two years later, then ourselves and Tip and Galway, you know, we kind of played a traditional fifteen on fifteen game as well. Um, how the game has changed, I suppose, from a short passing point of view, is is possession. I suppose um, as I referenced there, two thousand and nine All Ireland, so many lads just hit over their shoulder. Um, you know, the ball went up. You know, you could win it, you might not win it. It could go to a lad that might be completely free. Um, would that happen now? No. Um, I suppose uh, that was one of the big things. One of the big things from my point of view, I suppose I was old school in a lot of ways. When you get a ball out from a corner back, you know, your natural instinct is to turn on the shoulder and lump it 90, 100 yards up and try and hit full forward at all at all possible. But 
those days have changed. I suppose they're sweepers, you know, um, there. There could be a lad sitting in front of the goalkeeper there to, to mop up ball. So possession is, is key. Um, and especially the way Hurland's gone, I suppose the skill levels, the strength levels, you know, guys are able to stick the ball over the bar from 60, 70 yards on the run. No problems now. You know, they have such strength in their wrists, just, you know, I suppose the way they're able to play the game. You know, so possession is key. You know, anywhere within 60 yards, giving the chap three or four seconds, I suppose, of, of space, he's going to score, you know, especially at inter-county level. So um, how, how, how that has changed, I suppose, from a club point of view, do we short pass? We do at times, you know, to hold on to possession, absolutely, to bypass half-back lines. But I suppose what's happening now is half-back lines are sitting back. You know, we played James Stevens last year and uh, in the quarter-finals. And Lark's own Lark was playing centre back, and he sat in front of the goalkeeper, and they played a sweeper back. I think I think Jackie was playing full back, and we had a spare man in in with ourselves, but we could, we weren't able to utilise spare man um, the right way. Um, a couple of our lads panicked. They they just naturally hit full forward. Own Lark ended up picking up three or four loose balls, and and they worked it out from there. You know, and took took scores from long range. So. Um, Absolutely, is is short passing a key key aspect of any game? It is if it's done right. Um, if it's overdone, then and you're you're short passing from corner back out to half back, and it breaks down and the score has got against you, it's very hard to justify going back to do that again. You know, and having the confidence, you know, for for a keeper having having a top keeper that can drill a pass to you, thirty or forty yards straight to your hand. You know, I've been on the receiving end of, of a keeper drilling a pass to me and it being 20 yards in the air and it going over my head and to the, to the forward, like, you know, and there's nothing worse than that because, you know, that, that completely um, deflates the whole idea of it. But um, it, it, it's great to see where Hurling is going, you know, in two or three years' time with everything, with the way sports science going, all that kind of stuff. It's going to get faster. It's going to get fitter. Um, you know, possession is going to be key, you know, as Joe will tell you, everything is marked now in terms of puckouts won, puckouts lost. Everything, every stat is is noted now. So everybody is so keen, and everybody is so aware of that now. So you know where it's going to go. Who knows? But it's it it. it I suppose Wexford, and I suppose what Davy Fitz has done for the last number of years of Wexford, it's, it's probably it's probably shows how keen possession is on their side. Um, I suppose where Kilkenny are, we, we have adopted the last couple of years. Um, we're playing it out from the back. But Cody's mentality is always get it in as fast as you can into the forwards. You know, like the way we extra play, sometimes it can be a bit slow. By the time the ball comes in, you might be able to reset uh, from a back's point of view. Um, the faster the ball comes in, you know, the more of an impact it's going to have. Um, but I suppose it, it's, trying to, it's trying to get the mix of it um, the right way. And I suppose I think Tip probably have the, the mix the last couple of years um, really how to do it well you know um, play short and you play short and they have they have some gifted hurlers in the likes of Ronan and Toddy and all them kind of thing they're able to pick the perfect pass at the right time you know and it's not overdone it's not over egged so it's about, it's about getting the perfect match but it's going to be a big feature in any game going forward that's it exactly and I suppose uh, Joe one way to beat this short passing game um, if it is working for a team is really the intensity in the tackle and the work rate really would be the key factors to break down a team's short passing game, would it? Yeah, it would, yeah. But I think it's like what Kieran said there as well. Like you're looking back to the fact that sometimes if you're not prepped um, to deal with systems and you're not prepped to deal with a short passing game, if you go into a team, if I arrived at Bowden year one and say, right, we're going we're gonna to go short passing 
and you're not looking at the clientele that you have available to you as well. I think there's a certain element of naivety as well sometimes for, for some coaches and to go in and try to play a game that's not based on the type of player that they have. I remember reading, we've, we've as teachers now, there's probably a little bit more time to do a bit of reading, but I, I think it was Pep Guardiola had said at one stage that like the idea of that that short passing game, it's not like it's not necessarily to move the ball, uh, it's more or less to move the opposition. Um, and I, if you look at what Limerick have done, um, having who were probably two half forwards, I could be wrong, maybe at one stage, and, um, or maybe, uh, and then all of a sudden they're back in a half back line and they're the guys like you need an intelligent centre back now. The days are gone of, of having a big, tall guy who can just stop, you know, you need a centre back who's going to be intelligent to kind of be that fulcrum as well. Those two sixty fives, that kind of area, that battleground in the middle, it, it's you know, it's it's absolute hell for letter in there. Um and I just I'm conscious of, of the fact that you know, you have to make sure that this is not something that happens overnight. You know, I think Kenny Beck in Kylie's first year Kilkenny beat them and I remember he came out and, and Davy the same you know Davy the year that they won the All-Ireland 13 he referenced as well how you know there was programs thrown at him as he walked out under the under the stands you know what the, just drive the ball up the field hit the ball up you know we've good forwards whatever to win their own ball like look at Michael West again like here in the head and there was no little tippy tappy stuff it was win the ball and he drove the ball 70 yards conscious that likes power and win their own and the game has changed now, I suppose, so much for, you know, that battleground in the middle, um, it has to be won. Um, and you need the players, Ian Lynch's world, Declan Hannans, those guys, you know, you need seriously good hurlers to be able to do it. And it's all about creating the space on the inside. It's not just a short passing game. There's a, there's a myth, the madness as well of what to do. If you have the, you know, the top forwards inside, you know, Paul Ryan would love nothing more, nothing more than a little bit of space on, on, on a forward. Um, and the last thing he wanted was to, to be given a ball, possibly, you know, a 50 ball out in the corner. If you have a bit of space in there for, for good top-class forwards, and that's what the short-passing game is, the means to it as well. And, and Kylie, obviously, has, has really shown it to be good. But like Kieran said, well, like, you know, Kilkenny have evolved, tip, the stick men they have to be able to do this. It's, look, you see the gears moving. You know, you see you see when it comes to, to Limerick, you look at those gears, interlocking gears moving, and it's great to watch. But don't tell me that... You know, in, in the in the in January and February and March nights when you're training the shite, that that those things don't break down. Like, you know, they they have to break down, and, and it's an awful lot of, of practice that goes into it. I've been lucky enough to work with, with really good hurling coaches as well. That you know, that see this likes of Canerk, obviously doing a massive job down there, and great job and tip. And you know, I don't think it matters to Kilkenny which way if they want to change, they'll change it because they have that inherent ability too to be able to to do what's needed. But you have to compliment the guys that are doing it, but it's, it takes an awful lot of work, an awful lot of work, Paul. Absolutely, it does. And well, that's all in uh, part one of the Backdoor Hurling Show this week. Thanks a million for your time, lads. No. Hello, and you're welcome to this week's Backdoor Hurling Show. Delighted to be joined by Go Hurler Aidan Hart and Gort Hurler. Firstly, Aidan, um, how are you managing as an inter county hurler during these times? Ah, sure, Lucas. Not too bad. I suppose you can't forget to him also also a teacher, so I've plenty to do to, to keep me busy, uh, especially during the days and I try and log off then at four o'clock or half day on a Friday. So plenty to be doing. Getting out, doing some runs in the evening time. We're lucky to have cool park here in Gart, so provides us with a great uh, opportunity and facility, I suppose, to to get some exercise done and a bit, bit of comfort and social distancing of course. 
That's it, exactly. And how are you staying in contact now uh, to the Goa hurlers? Yeah, so just with our WhatsApp group, um, we're keeping in contact with, of course, Lucas, the strength conditioning trainer. Like that, we're not under any program or anything at the moment. You know, just guys keeping fit off their own bat, really, trying to trying to work on their weaknesses and probably improve their strengths and things like that. But a few Zoom quizzes. We had a few good ones there a few weeks ago. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, I suppose it's hard at the moment, like when when you hear things like October and things like that, it's, you know, it's a bit hard to keep motivation up. But you'll have days like that. Some days you'll be you'll be mad for road. Other days you'll be kind of lying around the place. But you're looking, it's just human nature, really. And it's obviously hard as an inter-county hurler. And I feel as players free, you're going to have to hear some sort of a date inside sometimes because you can't be training all year when you don't see an end goal inside, really. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not as it's not so much training all year that's the problem because usually you are anyway. Do you know, you'd never, you'd never go a week or two weeks there without doing anything at all. Like, but it's just the, I suppose, trying to keep the intensity of the training load is is what's difficult. Do you know, if you're trying to hit targets of doing runs within a certain time and, and things like that, that's where it's kind of difficult. Like, you know, it's very easy to get out there and and run a 5k and set yourself a target of 30 minutes you should be anyway if you're playing inter-county Ireland getting in under that with, 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 a, with a good bit of ease but it's just the, trying to keep up the intensity of the training really um, is what is what is difficult and I'm sure everyone across the country will have good and bad days um, on that. And since you've started off playing hurling, the game of hurling's obviously hugely evolved. And when you started off, it was probably more driving it down into the foot forward than most times. But the amount of studying now going into different counties' games, a possession-based game, really, it's changed hugely, hugely since you played. Yeah, absolutely. And you can see that there with the games on, on Tina G on Sundays. Like a few weeks ago, I was watching Galway and Clare in 95, now Ireland semi-final. And... For us here, like we'd be so close to the border with Clare that we would have gone to just as many goal, uh, Clare games as Galway games, you know. So I grew up watching, we'd say, Frank Lohan, for instance, and it was all about him bursting out of defence. And it didn't matter where the ball was going as long as he was just launching it the other side of the field. Crowd used to go wild. You'd lift up off your seat yourself, like, you know. But there's no doubt it has changed. Probably, for me, I think the, the three teams that kind of started to evolve the game were probably clear in, in the 90s, I thought anyway, that brought that that hugely intense training under Gerlach Nan and Mike Mack to a new level, you could say. Um, Cork then came in under Don Grady, I suppose, more in particular, and looked at the more tactical side of it, like they started to run the ball more. Maybe it was adapted from the Newtown Shandrum Club game. Um, and it was way more tactical, short puckouts. And then, of course, you had the physicality of of Kilkenny, what they brought to the game, and of course, they always had the skill to go with it. So I think there were kind of the three, three teams maybe that brought the game maybe to a different level in their own, in their own ways. That's it exactly. And you've all, you obviously started off in the forwards, and now you're back in the backs. Um, but how is it you're keeping your technique uh, up to touch really? And how do you how how, how do you really perfect? Um, the aerial ball in the air, uh, perfecting to be that dominant in the air when you're playing. Yeah, I suppose it was. I suppose the change with it anyway. When, when you're in the forwards, 
all you're trying to do is just break it through. If you can catch it, great. If you can break it through, I suppose your job is done and the halfback's job isn't done. So kind of had to reverse that in recent years when you're facing the ball. And sure, for me as a halfback, it's your primary job really that when the puck out does come that it doesn't pass you. You know that you're knocking it back to your, your midfielders or half forwards that might be coming back to gain possession. Um, something, of course, I wasn't always good at. You know, and I wouldn't claim to be the most dominant in the air or anything like that. But it's a very simple one of training mainly. You just get get one-on-one, the likes of Garrod Mack, maybe Niall Burke, Joe Canning, these big guys. And you just have someone maybe down the under end of the pitch launching ball down on top of you. And it's kind of the only way to, to get better at it, really. You just get used to the close contact, the physicality of it. And in time, you kind of... I suppose, judging the ball, where it's landing, keeping your eye on it and just trying to get in your hand as, as quick as possible. Did you find it tough moving? Uh, you obviously played, I think it was 2010 in the league, corner forward, and then to move back to wing back. And obviously, you've played a few games cornerback and midfield as well. Do you find it tough moving from them positions? Um, I suppose I did for a, for a few years with Galway. I kind of didn't know whether it was coming or going or where it was kind of playing, you know, you could find yourself anywhere, any day, which which wasn't wasn't a problem either. Like once you were once you were getting out there on the field, um, you were happy enough. I suppose one thing that kind of stood to me going back in the back was I always had pace. So any mistake I might make, I might be able to rectify it and get myself out of trouble. So that helped. But um, yeah, I suppose the man marking thing, something that I found difficult initially. You know, when you're playing as a midfielder or or a half forward, you like to get on the ball and you're always on the move and you can kind of ball watch a bit more. So when you're trying to watch someone um, in the backs, it's something you kind of have to adapt to a bit more and realise that there might be 15 minutes of a game that goes by where you don't touch it, but as long as your man doesn't, that's fine, that'll do. That's it, exactly. And Hurling's obviously huge in your family. Uh, your father, Josie Hart, has been heavily involved in Go Hurling. Um, what's hurling like in your family leading up to a match? Yeah, I suppose we've uh, it's kind of a split in the family, really, because my mother's from Pittsburgh, so don't know if she, she's cool about it. Anyway, once we come home, without our heads taken off, she'd be happy enough. Uh, obviously, my sister Aileen, then she'd be a few years older than me. She's mad into the game as well. And then your man is on another level altogether, I suppose. Uh, coming up to a game, I know he'd be fine. He'd be fine. He knows, sure, we have a study ourselves at such a high level that there isn't really much more that he could add to it. You know, a few words of encouragement maybe the morning of the game. But I think over the years we're all learning and I think he's learned too to kind of leave it be when the when the big games are coming. And you were calling to the Goa Hurling team in 2008 after a successful under-21 hurling campaign. Gerald Lacknan obviously called a lot of that team in. What was it like to get called in and receive the phone call from him? Yeah, sure, it was incredible. I remember getting the text message on a, I think it was on a Thursday evening here at home to to uh, to go and meet him in a hotel in Athenry. And yeah, it was, it was very surreal in fairness because, as I mentioned earlier, I'd grown up in the 90s, you know, with, with Claire very good in, in, 90, in the mid-90s to the late 90s and to be in the same room as Ger and kind of have him to manage it. It was inspiring, really, to be honest. Um, so went in in 2008, it was my first year, I went to UCC um, for a year, typical, did the leaving search, couldn't get far away enough, wanted to go to Cork, so 
went to Cork for a year but what I was doing then I was getting the bus up and down two or three nights a week at City Link at the time with no care um, just to train sure look at I was 19 at the time all I wanted to do was play for Galway and whatever it took I was going to do it but uh, training was tough yeah it wasn't easy probably not as scientific and measured um, as it is now so there were a few tough nights right I think mid-July I think I remember Jur asked me was I eating at all I think the jawbones were coming out through my face it was yeah it was it was tough going but um, enjoyable at the same time enjoyable at the same time he, you know he was ruthless and what you hear about him and stuff like that I only experienced him for one year but one thing I found you know he could he make you feel like he could play anywhere you know he filled you with, with great confidence and I enjoyed the year, you know. And would he put you through a lot of the hell he put the Clare Hurling seniors through? I know he done had focused a lot of running. Um, not probably the scientific running you're seeing today, but more hard endurance running. Would that would he put you through as well? Yeah, it kind of seemed to be to be more of that, but I think everyone was kind of doing it at the time. Do you know, club teams were doing it. We were doing it with Galway Twenty Ones teams. I suppose everyone was at that that long running and enduring stuff at the time um, where of course that has all changed now thankfully and might last for another year or two yet and you're released by John McIntyre uh, one year did that teach you a lot about the level you needed to get to yeah absolutely um, I didn't feature at all for Galway in 2008 um, probably didn't have a great club campaign either that summer I'd say broke my collarbone playing for UCC in a in a county championship match in Cork and we were beaten well by an unbelievable Pertona team in the county final um, and looking back on it now if you were to compare yourself to a 20 year old now definitely I was I was miles behind in physical um, conditioning no doubt about that um, mentality wise wasn't at the pitch of it I would say so in 2009 uh, wasn't on the panel, still had another year at under 21 so focused really solely on that, focused on trying to play the best I could for my club um, and also the best I could for, for the Galway under 21s and luckily uh, back in again then in 2010. Yeah you went back in in 2010 and it was obviously special that you were able to win the league that year um, Joe Canning having a rather impressive performance on uh, Jeremy O'Sullivan that day and you started to corner forward that day. Was that really where Go Ireland started to take off to a new level winning the league that year? Yeah, possibly. Um, I suppose we were playing with great guys that time, like, you know, the likes of Ollie Canning and Shane Kavanagh. She could go right through them, Jamie and Joyce, David Collins, Jura Farrer, you know, they were class players all together, like, and Damien Hayes, of course. Like, um, I suppose that was the first day for me, in a way, on a senior level. To kind of see the excitement of it, I was at sub in 2008 in the league final, but the excitement of actually winning um, a trophy, I suppose, and crowd coming onto the field and things like that, you know, it was, it was a great experience and it kind of built us up nicely then um, for the summer, of course, that year. Uh, I also picked up a hip injury in a club game against St. Thomas's and found it, just found it hard to get back get back on again and I would have had an operation um, at the end of that year in November 2010 but found it hard to get going again and unfortunately I think it was tippy just by a point at Lair, was it a Lair Corbett point at the end of the game um, Ollie Canning had to go off with a knee injury at the time which didn't help but 
we were, in fairness, we were motoring very well under John McIntyre at the time. You were. Actually, Cunningham obviously came in, um, and I suppose that Leinster final in 2012 will obviously stand out for you as players, your first Leinster title. To really uh, beat Kilkenny about that much, it was rather pleasing. Um, that was obviously a significant trophy to win in 2012. Yeah, it was huge. It was massive for Galway like, to win the first Leinster Trophy, and I suppose in the dominant performance, um, in which in which we did it, like you know, so it was massive at the time. Kilkenny were were taken along very well, one of their greatest teams, of course, and yeah, it was a big breakthrough, um, which ultimately led to the the final that year and the replay. Unfortunately, the second day didn't go as well as as the first day, and look at I suppose we learned lessons from that and just moved on from. Do you feel the first day against Kilkenny that day in 2012 was one you left behind you because you're really the dominant team for a long period in that game? Do you feel it's one that you left behind you? Yeah, possibly. If I'm being completely honest, I haven't even seen the finals of 17 and 18, so I, I, I've never, I just don't look back in the games, and I haven't looked back in 2012 either. But of course, when you're when you're in a lead like that. You'd be hoping to see at home, but you know the way the game of hurling works. It's never over till it's over, and a team like Kilkenny that time, of course, uh, weren't going to go away, and they didn't. And as I said, it just didn't work out the second day, and unfortunately, it was another All Ireland loss. Absolutely, um, it was. Then 2013, uh, beaten by Clare in the quarter final. Um, Clare went on to win All Ireland. 14 beating Michael Kenny and 15 beating Michael Kenny again. Um, were 14 and 15 very tough to take being beaten by Kilkenny two years in a row? Yeah, at 14, I think I think it was tipped to put us out in 14 in the qualifiers in Taos. Um Again, I think we were five or six points up, but it made 15 minutes left and I think we lost the game by five or six. So a disappointing one as again I haven't haven't looked back and I just have a few memories I think I came on for the last 15 minutes and didn't perform overly well myself I'd say um, but yeah that was that was disappointing especially Tip running on to the final that year I don't know did they win it in, in 14 or were they beaten by Kilkenny in, in the final but yeah that was ultimately very disappointing again putting yourself into a position to win the game and not win it um, was ultimately ultimately Disappointing, and the same in fifteen. I suppose we were probably five points up at half time. I think, um, and just didn't pull away again in the second half. And Kilkenny, like clinical as they always are, and you know their conversion rate percentages extremely high, and especially in finals, and ultimately paid the price. Yeah, fifteen. Like the first half was going really well. Oh, really hurling out of their skin in the first half, and he obviously received a lot of. Criticism within the Galway hurling public about that second half performance was that tough to take as players? Yeah, I suppose there was a lot that went with it. I suppose that year, um, again another All Ireland gone, following on from 2012, and yeah, hard to take as players. And I suppose what rambled on afterwards um, made it tougher. And the public was, in my opinion, I suppose a good bit against the players. And look at that's fair enough. Everyone has has their own opinion on things and everyone's a critic, they're all entitled to it. But uh, I think ultimately we answered that in, in 2017, thankfully. And 
Actually, Cunningham, um, he did really make huge strides with Galway Ireland. We see what he's doing. We see what he's doing now with uh, Ross Common football. Um, did he teach you a lot uh, as hurlers when he was over Galway? Um, hurling and coaching wise, probably not. I'd probably put that more down to to Matty Kenny and Tom Hillers. Um, to be honest, I thought they were excellent at the time I was in there. Um, so I'd say more so that you had you had guys in the time we got to the final in 15, you had guys that were there a long time, you know, David Collins, Eiratani and Andy Smith, Fergal Moore, you know, they were they were great leaders and had, had learned a lot and obviously taught us an awful lot as well. So, yeah, I'd say it was maybe more so uh, down to that. I think the players just took it upon themselves and, and drove it. In 2016, uh, so, um, it was very close against Tipperary. Uh, Joe Cannon getting injured at halftime, Adrian Tui getting injured at halftime. They were top lows to take at that stage in the game. Yeah, absolutely. And I think before before the game, our usual uh, guard escort didn't turn up, so we were late getting to the ground and, and things like that. But um, all of those, I suppose, small things don't help, but ultimately we're beating a point in the end, so you couldn't put it down to that. But definitely going off for any team is, is massive. Um, Edo was flying it in the corner at the time as well. And, you know, like Inton, it's very hard when you when you lose players. Um, players that came on, maybe just as good, but, of course, Joe's is different standard altogether. And, yeah, losing a point to tip that day, it was tough, very tough, and it was our first year um, under Mihal's management, of course. And you know, to go to see Tip go on and win it so comfortably, then in the final, I suppose, was the the final nail, you could say. Seventeen, you started off to a flyer. Um, that league final against Tipperary in the Gaelic grounds has to stand out. Was that really where you knew that you could drive it on this year to a new level? Yeah, definitely. I think in in seventeen. Haven't got the year under our belts with the with with me on and his management, um, and seventeen and going into the league final, and winning us so comfortably. We knew we were going well, but of course we weren't, you know, satisfied with that. There was enough of us. We'd been around long enough to know that the real trophies or the big trophies are given out that the the first Sunday in September or the end of August, whenever it is now. Um, so the league final was was it was probably I don't know to the the public maybe blow it up more than what we did, to be honest. Uh, on Monday morning, the game was over. It was in the past, and the focus quickly turned to the length of family. But, um, and we, we knew if we played tip again that um, it would be a completely different story. And obviously, Leinster turned out very well as well. Uh, started off flyer that year against Dublin, then backed it up against Offaly. But that performance in Crow Park against Wexford to hit 29 points, that obviously gave you huge satisfaction as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think possibly what helped us going into the Wexford game that year is we had played Clare the year before and hurled in the quarterfinal and they had played a sweeper, obviously, and Wexford played the same. So we were extremely comfortable um, to play that game. Um, and with that then, with our six forwards up front on seven backs, but our, our forwards were really motoring extremely well at the time and they had great physicality. Don't know how many points Connor Cooney shot from play that day, but he was incredible off off left and right, everything everything he touched. And yeah, we were we were really comfortable. And again, as soon as that game was over, 
that was it and the monday afternoon or the monday night after maybe having a few beers on the sunday and monday was it was all party again like and we knew what was what was coming down the tracks in two more days and obviously you've had some great battles with tipperary over the years and they must be really enjoyable games to be involved as a player and it nearly seems to come down to always that last play the winner um and joe can improve that but What's it like to be involved in them sort of games as a player? Ah, yeah, they're they're unbelievable. Sure, you play above yourself anyway. First of all, because I suppose you don't have time to think about it. You're just it's just ebbing and flowing all day long, and you're not you don't even take any notice of you're not nervous or anything out there. If that makes sense. You don't take any notice of the score or the time or anything. You just you just play until that final whistle is going to go. I remember just seeing. I think it was 10 minutes of the, the tip semi-final in 17, one of the very few bits of games I've seen. And uh, I just turned to them in the sitting room at home and just said, how do you watch these games? Like, I just couldn't imagine being above in the stand, you know, trying to watch them um, at the time. It's it's certainly a lot easier when you're out there. And uh, when Joe put over that point, of course, that uh, um, just incredible and something... I'd say even since the lockdown has been on and you see more pictures of it and short clips and highlights that you just appreciate it more and more. And yeah, like what does Joe Cannon bring to the table? Because like they hit a winner like that and didn't look like there's one ounce of nerves in the man. What does he bring to the table? Uh, he's obviously such a perfectionist within that goal team. Yeah, just everything really. It's like when you go back training, if it's the end of November or the first week in December, depending like, you know, from the get go, he set the standard of training. You know, he's never satisfied with what he's done, which has obviously been incredible. He's he's the one setting the standard. If there's a young guy who comes in at 18 years of age, he'd be the first one over chatting to him. Do you know, he's, he's coolness personified, as you've seen uh, throughout the years, and he's just like that off the pitch as well. Just a normal, easy-going guy going about his business. Um, but when he's on the pitch... Um, he is incredible, yeah, very good. Marked him a few times, of course, in, in club and in training. And, you know, he's just never switched off. He's always in the move. Exactly. And obviously, so special to finally reach the Holy Grail and win the Lee McCarthy that year against Waterford. Um, but I, one noticeable thing within Michal Dunham's side was he brought this team to new physicality levels. And you were a very physical side. And I think one thing you really focused on that year was every player to win their own dirty ball and take care of your own individual battle. Was that the secret, really, of getting over the line? Yeah, absolutely. I suppose we were we were very physical um, that year and just tried to bring a new intensity to the game. Of course, Lucas came in, um, strength conditioning coach, and I suppose we started into new, maybe, strength conditioning methods at the time. Um, just found him excellent and kind of unknown to yourself. You were just getting stronger and getting fitter all the time. And I suppose that, that stood the test of time um, as the season went on. But, you know, you need, a, you need a good bit of luck sometimes as well. A lot of teams have these, these very good strength conditioning coaches, um, which we've been lucky to get in Ireland in recent years. And, you know, sometimes at the end of the game, it comes down to a bit of the rub of the green or avoiding injuries and things like that and luckily we have we have done that um in the last few years i suppose opposed to joe's injury last year which was a which was a hard one to take and paul killeen doing a crucial injury in 2017 um but we've been lucky throughout the championship that we've mainly avoided any of those soft tissue injuries that 
in the new format of championship anyway can can mean missing out maybe in on all of the group games or the Leinster Championship. And your bench played a huge role that day. Niall Burke and Jason Flynn were really contributing uh, really significant scores. And I suppose that's what kind of got you over the line in the end. Yeah, of course. And you could see that with Waterford all year when they reached the final, they had the likes of Brian O'Halloran coming on and, and Tommy Ryan and them guys. And they look at they're extremely fast. And when you've been out there for 60 minutes, having a fresh guy like is the last thing we want to cramp, but Niall Burke and Jason were excellent that day. Jason in particular has incredible skill. He's an absolute joy to watch in training and Joe, you know, he'll come big yet. I'm sure he will. Um, he's a great guy and, and Niall Burke the same. Incredibly strong physically, mentally, great guy to have around the panel and incredible striker off both sides. So. Having those two come on that day in the forwards uh, in particular was, was a huge help and really saw out the game for us. And obviously, after years of heartbreak, there was such emotion that day at the final whistle. Obviously, that win was really contributed to Tony Keeley, one of the Galway grades, passing away. But what was it like for you as players to finally reach the Holy Grail that day? And returning back to Galway that night, I'd say that's something you'll cherish for the rest of your lives. Yeah, absolutely. Incredible. Sure, look at it's like anything before he won the first county championship with Gort, it was always something you'd be thinking of, you know, you'd be driving along in the car and you'd, jeez, will I ever, will it ever, ever happen? But luckily we kept trying and it did eventually and, you know, the whistle went and the pitch that day, yeah, it was, um, no doubt it was incredible and to come home and for the few weeks and months um, afterwards it was an incredible feeling, but like anything again, the clock rings on the 31st of December uh, and New Year's, you're mad to go again and what you've done in the past. Um, I wouldn't say it counts for nothing because it does, in a small way, you, you certainly gain confidence from it. Um, but you don't really see yourself as as 10 steps ahead of everyone else. You see yourself on a, on a level par again and you know that you have to improve if you want to uh, keep or increase those standards. Yeah, you you saying it counts and then you resume again. Um, 2018, um, I, I think you feel kind of devastated again to just come up short because two in a row was something you were probably going from from the outside. But do you think that year being involved in replays against uh, Kilkenny in the Leinster final, um, what a game with Darius just shows Kilkenny's never say die attitude. And Claire, the two games, uh, very tough games to be involved in. Do you think it was the replays that just took it out of you that year? Yeah, possibly, but sure. I suppose if, if it was, we've ourselves to blame. Um, I think we're well up in the in the Leinster final that time. Um, Kenny clawed it back, and the same against Clare. Not alone in in uh, Crow Park, but also down in Tullis, uh, clawed it back again. So. Yeah, I suppose we two weeks to the Limerick game. They had an extra week on us, possibly in the first half. Tiredness, I suppose, weren't weren't moving as fluently as we usually would have been, and um, maybe coming to win the game at the end, but ran out of time, and, and that was it. Certainly, hard one to take as as they all as all the previous losses in All Ireland's were, but um, yeah, definitely hard one to take that one, but. What can we do? That's the way it happens. That's the way it goes. Yeah, and 
Would you feel disappointed as players to slow start that day? Because I know when you're an underdog coming into the game, if you get a good start, things are going to start flowing for you. And I think Limerick's key start kind of puts you on the back foot straight away. Yeah, of course, definitely. I think they got a goal early on as well, which which ultimately helped them. Um, and you could just you could just feel it out in the pitch. We just weren't. We were just that that second or two behind going to ball and, and doing things that we'd usually do um, so much quicker and so much more, I suppose, precisely. Do you know, our, even our probably our deliveries from the back weren't great, and our conversion rates up front uh, weren't good either. So probably just that little bit of tiredness came against us in the end, but look at Limerick too at the same time. Full value for their victory and they've they've kind of proven that since the All-Ireland, you know, going on to win a league and a, and a Monster Championship afterwards. Last year, um, you had it in your own hands kind of the final day. Um, just came up short in Pernod Craig. But Dublin are a very hard team to beat there. Um, it's probably where their best form is. Um, did you... F- did you feel he didn't perform to the levels even in the earlier games that day? I know the Wexford game, Pierce Stadium kind of ebbed and flowed, but I suppose it was really the Cairo game where you didn't push on and get more scores to up the scoring difference. And scoring difference is so important now in the Championship. Yeah, of course. Well, definitely from the get-go in anyway, last season, you know, our performance against Cairo was was extremely poor. You know, not... not throwing away the way they played or whatever. They might have played up to ability but we certainly didn't and it was extremely disappointing for us. The Wexford game was, was much more of the same to be honest it was only for maybe Colin Callan save that day. We possibly could have been beaten at home by Wexford and maybe it was us that was lucky you know that were lucky enough to get out with the draw. Um got a bit of a break and then we went down to Nolan Park and I suppose we did perform extremely well that day and Brian Concannon, Willow and, and Jason Flynn in particular in the full forward line um, were excellent for us and then Going to Dublin and the way we went out, I suppose, and the score differences with the draw in, in Wexford Park between Kenny and Wexford was kind of freak. And looking at it, just, it just didn't work out. Again, Dublin got two goals, I think, in the second half at the right times, and it, and it helped them. And ultimately, then we found uh, our fate out to be not so good um, that, eve, that Saturday evening. Yes, that's obviously. And then me old Donahue uh, stepped down, but like, he obviously done a lot for you as players. You won the National League with him, uh, played in two All-Ireland Finals, 1-1. Were you disappointed to see him go? Ah, yeah, of course. Um, absolutely. And as you said yourself, he done a lot for us as players on the pitch, no doubt, but not half as much as what he'd done for everyone off the pitch. He was just, you know, and his management of of Noel Arkin, Franny Ford, you know, Damien Joyce, Dave Morris, you could go right down uh, to the kid, man. They were just incredible for us both on and off the pitch so much confidence and maybe got some of us like myself to play 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 above ourselves maybe um at times um extremely disappointing of course when he went but all good things must come to an end and as me always reminded us hurling was only one part of life and um obviously you know he had a young family and the selectors did as well and it was important that they spend more time at home and you know you couldn't be grudging for that and Shane O'Neill uh, coming from Limerick um, done huge work with Napiercy but so far you have to say things are positive and what's he bringing to the table for Goa here yeah absolutely extremely positive 
look, I suppose it was a fresh start for a lot of players as well that might not have seen much game time um, in the previous management. Um, and of course, for players like myself that had seen a lot of game time, it was also a fresh start. It was like, you know, I better book up my my ideas here, my ideas here now again, and and try and make the 26 first in a way for game day, and then try and get onto the 15. So, the chain has been excellent um, with John and Fergal and David Ford since they've come in. It's, you know, been a smooth transition really. And again, like like most setups, you need you need players to to drive standards and. You know that's very important, especially when you have a new management coming in and you have players that have been there a good while. That players draw standards, and then you take on board um, whatever ideas that the new management might have and adapt to what the game they might want to play. Absolutely, and he's placing huge emphasis on some of the younger lads coming through. Uh, Jeremy Kilcommons, TJ Brennan, Connor Walsh. These are really young hurlers, but they have been playing well at their own levels, and they obviously earned that opportunity. But He's obviously trying to get the young lads through, but you're really focusing, well, before this pandemic, you were really focusing on the emphasis of the panel. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, so it was, you could see, I think, the changes before the pandemic had started. I think even from the tip to the Wexford game, had we another, was there five changes or six changes to the team again? Um, great for some of the young guys to see that that type of action. As you mentioned, Connor Welch, Jeremy, TJ Brennan, Evan Island, who was outstanding against Tipperary, took the, the freeze to perfection on a on a terrible day in Salt Hill. Um, Brian Concannon again, you know, he was there before, but excellent that day and excellent against Cork. But yeah, definitely emphasising um, panel and the likes of Fintan Burke, Shane Cooney, Darren Morrissey had brilliant league campaigns up to um, the pandemic, and that that's hugely important because you need that competition to go right through the panel. Yes, and people are always talking about Gower winning these minors and they've won uh, under-21 Leinsters and that they're not coming through. But I think you're kind of starting to see some of them coming through. But before that, why do you think some of them aren't coming through um, to the Gower senior? Yeah. Look, as I mentioned, uh, Lucas before, and um, someone I'd have great time for, he's, you know, he's working full-time now with... Uh, with Galway and he's working down through the age levels and kind of overseeing all that and I think that's very important we can see physicality and conditioning has been extremely important in the in the modern game um, but with that it's, it comes down to the individual as well it can be an awful lot of it you know if, if you're if you're only going to going to train when the collective training is on then you know it's not going to work out for you your your ability will, will get you so far but you know you'll have to adapt more physicality mentally wise and you'll have to improve um on those skills that you already have so with with the aforementioned lads the likes of connor and tj and jeremy i'd say they never put down the hurl to be honest and they're always trying to get better and you know they've they're there now on the panel um and hopefully they'll have great careers ahead of them they have the potential to do it so they just need to keep pushing on and you're obviously soldiering with all these Galway players throughout the year. But then to go back to the club championship and to come against them and it gets a bit fiery between some of you. Um, do you find it hard, like when you're playing with them lads all year and then to be your enemies come the club championship time? Uh, not really, to be honest, because if we're down that's in Ryan, we're playing 215s, they're your enemy anyway, you know. So not really, like you just... You just give as good as you get and 
look at you don't go out to hit a mean stroke and anyone like them sometimes unfortunately it does happen i could give it or receive it but it just happens whiskey goes you shake hands probably even meet some of them that night or something you could be just as friendly with them as you would be with the club players like you know so ah uh, not really such everything is everything passes by quick enough and it's on to the next game and you have two club hurling titles with Gort, um and you obviously have some real talent and i suppose one man that will stand out is richie cummins had a really successful boy minor hurling career tipped to be one of the next big things but it didn't come true for him yet um do you feel in Gort that you can push on to a new level? I know you have two county titles. You lost one to medals, obviously, but you feel you can develop uh, further as a hurler, do Yeah, absolutely. Well, in my own personal opinion, I suppose, on any given day, I think we could we could beat any team in Galway. Um, but again, a lot, of, a lot of it comes down to the, you know, the individual driver players. Do they want it? Do they want it bad enough? Are they willing to push themselves? Um, to the limit and I know like it's I know it's it's hurling and it's past time and stuff like that but you know if you want to win and go that bit further you're going to have to make sacrifices then we have some new fresh blood into the panel this year or before that the pandemic came a few nice young lads coming in the likes of Paddy Cummins and Owen Cooley and Owen Killeen and Jacqueline and you know they'll they'll bring a bit to it again they'll freshen guys up Cuevin Marin Niall Cunningham and they'll freshen guys and put lads under pressure and you need that and hopefully if it's towards the end of this year or if it's next year it might be better for us they'll be a year older and a year stronger um i'm sure we'll have another crack at it again and much like before one more before winning all ireland it's something you you think about most weeks and it'd be great to, to get that feeling back again someday and uh, just finally now the Gold club hurling uh, championship is very competitive it's underestimated really because when you're seeing all the different winners but um it must be a great championship to play in yeah it's un just extremely competitive of course we had a bad year last year getting we'll say i wouldn't say relegated to, to senior b because it sounds like you're going down against lesser opposition but then you see the group draws and you're not playing lesser op opposition you know as you said it's extremely uh extremely competitive and you know if you're not switched on and on any given day you it won't be long but the result will go against you and sometimes you can you can feel that on the pitch when there's 10 minutes left last year i think it was tina that that put us out of the championship in the last group game you can feel that landslide and you just you can't hold it back so you know if you're not if you're not tuned in if guys aren't ready um you won't last that's for sure well Ian, um thanks a million for your time and uh, i wish you best of luck whenever the season starts no problem paul thanks